How can you be part of a religious community that straight up denies Sometimes science it feels or like sees the church it as suspicious? Trying to hold the church seems to be stuck in their ways when the rest of the Why are they so obsessed with keep trying to give answers, I would but they never don't even be a part of a church that is not welcoming the church of the most vocal political voice against immigration. Some churches still don't one they claim that worship was the actual the church seems to be stuck in ways when the rest of the like, culture how is that actually it seems like so much of the church anti-critical they are being homophobic too narrow judgmental disconnected from what is truly happening in the real world <sighs> the church needs therapy welcome to the first episode of the church needs therapy. Now, I am so excited to begin this journey with you all. Now, what I'm going to do today, since it's the intro, is just give you a little bit of thoughts on therapy in general. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about resistance to therapy, what I mean when I say the church, and then also for me, why is this something that I'm doing, where am I headed with this, where do I hope all of this goes. So if you're joining in, I'm so happy you're here. First episode of The Church Needs Therapy. So let's begin with some thoughts on therapy. See, therapy is a place for clarity. It's a place for honesty. It's a place for healing, right? It's a place where people go seeking hope and it's a place where people go hoping there is a whole nother way forward into the future because they know things aren't fully working well in the present, right? It's a place where we can dare to be ourselves. It's a place where we can be completely unfiltered. It's a place where people can take that massive risk of being real about where they are, about what's happening in their lives, because here's the thing. It all begins with honesty. Real healing begins with honesty. Repentance, turning, right? Turning a different direction, changing your ways. Repenting begins with honesty. Transformation begins with honesty. Intimacy begins with honesty. You have no idea how many people I have seen miss these great potential moments for transformation and newness and healing because they just weren't ready to be fully honest with where they were. So when I say the church needs therapy, we need to begin by being honest about where she's at, about what issues she has, about her neurotic tendencies, about her unwillingness to change, her rigidity, how she's unflinching, how she's anti so many things, how she needs to be against so many things. We need to be honest about where she's at and about what's not working. But let's be honest about honesty even as we begin. It's really, really hard to be honest, right? Which leads us to this first thought after that, and it's one inevitable dynamic people will always face when they think about or go to therapy is resistance. There is so much resistance to therapy. There's so much resistance to change. I remember a good friend of mine from the mainland called me, I want to say five-ish years ago, and I was actually walking around my neighborhood, 
And he told me for the first time in his life, he was getting ready to go see a counselor. He was going to therapy for the first time. And as I, in my head, I'm like, that's a great idea. I think it's a good thing. And then he asked me, he's like, how long do you think I should go for? Right? Just no kind of buildup. Just how long do you think I should go for? And without batting an eye or wasting a second, I said minimum of two years. And I think he was a little offended when I said that. Because he told me, like, I was thinking, like, three weeks. I'm like, three weeks? Three weeks? You're just building a relationship with the therapist. What real, no real change and transformation happens in three weeks. But I think that goes to show the the preconceived notions we bring in, the us not being fully ready to see how deep our issues really go. I remember this other pastor in his 50s years ago, we were in a conversation and we were talking about transformation, the role of counselors and therapy, helping you see that which needs to be changed. And as we were talking about it, this pastor casually said, like as a joke, but what he said was, oh, like they don't want to crack this nut. No, no, no. It'll be too scary inside for, like, for the counselors to see. And look, I get the joke he was making. But on another level, that is really scary for a self-proclaimed spiritual leader to say. To make a joke about how you're so, what, psychologically unhealthy. You have so many unresolved issues. There's such an a weird entangled web of toxic things within you that a counselor would be scared to see it. And yet you're getting up to preach and guide people all the time. See, this resistance comes so often from a deep fear of seeing the truth, of seeing the pain, of seeing the mistakes, of seeing the shame, of facing the darkness, of feeling the inevitable feelings that will arise when we do this. Right? I've known many people who when it comes down to all of the resistance and I can get them to that deeper place, a part of them is just terrified that the therapist might confirm something they've always suspected all along. Like maybe they thought they might be on the spectrum of having some form of mental health issues, but they've been scared to go see a therapist because if a therapist says it, then it becomes real and it's something they have to face and feel. And that's just really hard. And I get that. But when I look at the church right now, I'm like, the church needs therapy. She has issues. Let's get all the issues out there. Let's be 100% real because we still have hope for the future. And every spiritual teacher, every therapist who understands deep transformation, they know the only way forward in healing is, is by facing and owning the past and the pain and the truth. Nobody gets to bypass and skip over the facing of the darkness, what's really there, owning it, feeling it, grieving over it, repenting of it, having humility towards it, and then embracing a new future. That new future is only possible after that first part has taken place thoroughly. I remember, let's see, it's 2020, 10 years ago, my wife and I were backpacking and traveling through Southeast Asia, 
And we were going through all these different places, but when we got to Vietnam, we met up with her parents there. Um, my wife's parents are from Vietnam. They're refugees. They escaped in 1979. So when our first time going there, they were going to go with us. This awesome, amazing, powerful, magical trip, right? So it was great. I remember one time we were driving through the mountains and I was talking to my wife's dad about being back in Vietnam and how people who didn't escape saw him because he did escape and those relationships and the past that was there and the truth of, you know, how people saw Ho Chi Minh and like how there's so much propaganda over the years, et cetera, et cetera. And Christine's dad looked at me and he was like, honey, because that's the great thing about my Vietnamese father-in-law is he always calls me honey. He said, come here, honey. <clears throat> honey, I tell you this, honey, come here, honey, honey, come on, honey. So he looked at me in that moment. He's like, honey, the truth is always a painful truth but it's still the truth. And I'm like, man, that is so good. And there's always going to be resistance because the truth can be painful when it first arises, but that painful prick is actually opening up the place within us where we need all of this healing, right? So therapy, a little bit of resistance, how that's natural, like when you say the church needs therapy, people probably see that title and get defensive or get angry. Like, what is he saying? I'm like, that is the exact resistance and defensiveness that I would expect and that I'm talking about. Um, but my third thing as we begin is my thoughts on what I mean when I say the church. So when I say the church needs therapy, here's the thing. There is no monolith called the church in the world. It's not one thing, right? There's Catholics, Protestants, white churches, black churches, Egyptian Coptic churches, Syrian churches, Greek Orthodox, fundamentalist, liberal mainline churches, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Anglicans, fundamentalists, more denominations and massive differences within those denominations. And that's just domestically in America. That's not even really taking the global church into account. So one, there is no quote unquote, the church, right? So when someone says, you know, the church has to do this, it's, well, what church are you talking about? So when I start wanting to take the church to therapy, what I'm looking at and what I'm talking about is the dominant culture, most popular, most visible cultural expression of the church in, in the U.S. in the recent history, which is sort of some loose version of this predominantly white, conservative, and evangelical church. Like when you ask most people on the streets, like, you know, what they think of the church, it's usually that church, whatever they mean, is what I'm referring to as well. So for example, I think it was 2009, Barna Research Group did this massive survey where they asked people, what are the three things you think of when you hear the word Christian? And I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, the three main responses were anti-gay, Republican, and hypocritical. So basically any church that fits into that category, that's the church that needs some serious therapy. Any church that can fall within that. If you're like, yep, I think that church probably also is embodies that. That's the church that needs therapy. 
The church needs some reality checking. It needs some honesty mirrored back to herself. The church needs to hear some painful truth because it needs healing. It needs to be called out. It needs to be held accountable. But it also needs to know there is another way forward. Because here's the thing for me. I have been so done with whatever that version of the church is for over a decade. Right? I've been com- I've been so done with that. Doesn't mean I don't love her, respect her. Doesn't mean I don't include her within the broad tent of Christianity. It's not about rejecting them like that, but I'm just so done with doing that thing. But now more and more people are waking up, moving on, giving up, walking away and completely leaving the church behind. And here's the thing, I get that. I'm not just saying that to try to identify. I really do understand why so many people are leaving. Do you know how often I see something in the media or see something a pastor says or a church does? And my initial thought is like, I quit Christianity. (laughs) Like, I quit. I'm done. And that's that's, that's not easy to do because I'm a pastor. And I have responsibilities to people and I got to I gotta get up and say something this week. But you know how many moments I'm like, oh God, it's Wednesday morning and I seriously just quit Christianity. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, babe. But I also think, what if one of the answers is not to leave it all behind, but to commit to creating a better way forward? What if it's not about giving up, but it's about growing up? What if it's not about walking away, but it's about walking ahead? What if it's not about leaving the church of the past, but leaning into the church of the future? Because you know, yes, you might be completely over it, but will you have the courage to live into a vision that goes beyond it? Because here's the thing. I love the church. I really, really do. Yes, there's so many times I scroll and weep over the church and get angry at the church and laugh at the church and shake my head at the church. And there's so many moments I'm embarrassed and I'm in disbelief over some of the things she does and says. Of course, I deal with that every single week. But I still love the church. Of course she gets too comfortable with those in power, even though Jesus always mocked power. And then she gets all obsessed with celebrity, even though Jesus kept saying the first shall be last. Then she gets way too aligned with the specific president, even though Jesus was all about immigrants and outsiders and inclusivity and humility. And then she gets all obsessed with conspiracy theories. I'm like, what are we doing? doing right now are you serious right it's hilarious and tragic and i laugh and i grieve and i shake my head but then i always recommit i remember even just this past week when i was first recording this there was a story that came out about something that happened i think at bethel church If any of you know, there's this thing called Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, Bethel Church. Very, very, how should I say this, interesting place. 
eventually I will do an episode about the church and things like that. So we'll get into more details. But there's this story of these four or five self-proclaimed apostles. Because, you know, in the 21st century, to be an apostle, it's always self-proclaimed. So they're on stage and they're all holding a staff. Where you would kind of joke and you're like, okay, that kind of looks like a staff Gandalf would carry. Like, that's funny. And then the woman who is sort of leading the charge starts quoting Gandalf from a massive stage holding a staff with four other men. And she quotes Gandalf from Lord of the Rings saying <clears throat> that moment where he's like, you shall not pass. And she quotes that and she's talking about racism. And I think the point that she was making or that they were all collectively making was when four or five apostles get together and do some decree that, of course, only you need a certain amount of apostles to do it. They're like, when we say this and we slam this staff, racism is now dead in the church. I'm like, dang, this thing's. This systemic, distorted, powerful dynamic that has shaped so much of America for 400 years. And this is, this is what we all didn't get. We didn't have four or five apostles slamming a staff in the ground to end it. Like, I was just like, you know, that's, that was her statement. Racism is dead. And I saw them like, no, it's not. But I am. Because this is hilarious. But it's also ridiculous because they they mean it, and it's so it's so weird. And I look at all of that and so many more serious things about the church becoming a place that gets in the way of the progress of humanity instead of leading humanity towards that edge of the leading edge of compassion, of inclusivity, of of love, of justice, etc. And this is what I think. So many people walking away from the church are actually walking away from a faith that is too narrow, a God who is too small, and a church that is too exclusive. See, it's not that we don't believe in God. It's that we don't believe in that version of God that is so exclusive. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's that we don't love the Jesus that inspires so much of the hatred and exclusion that Christianity has become known for. It's not that we're losing our faith. It's actually our faith itself that's making us refuse to be a part of churches that are more concerned with maintaining the status quo and obeying laws than reimagining our faith and living into a bigger future. And despite all of the grief that comes with loving and committing to the church, I still really do love the church. I still believe in the church. I still have hope for the church. But I do believe the church needs therapy. That the church needs to change. That the church needs to practice some real humility. That the church really needs to listen that the church really needs to be open to all of the darkness and evil in its past, all of the ways it's been so complicit and injustice in the United States of America, all of the ways it has put its citizenship as Americans over its allegiance to the kingdom of God, all of those things. This is why the church needs therapy. Because there is another way forward. Right? There's a way forward where we don't have to hide our doubts 
And we actually can learn how to embrace all of our doubts and questions and actually integrate them into the journey. There's a way forward where we don't have to see science as an enemy, but rather as an ally on our mutual journey seeking to discover and live out the truth. There's a way forward where the power and capability and equality of women isn't even a conversation because the reality of it is just assumed in the life of the community. Talking about whether or not women can lead is not a legitimate conversation in the 21st century. I know that's not the topic today, but yes, you know, you know, you know why you need to go to therapy? Because some of you think women can't do the same things as men still. And you think God's with you on that. And that's just insane. And I have to laugh to keep from crying sometimes. Right? There's a way forward where the Bible is never used as a weapon of exclusion or shaming, but instead is always seen as the carrier of the most liberating, inclusive, and justice-filled story in the entire universe. So many people are not walking away from God. They're not walking away from the church, but they're walking away from the version of God and the expression of the church that they were handed that simply isn't working anymore. I know some people are going to be in those churches forever. That's okay. But if the church wants to continue to live into the future, then the church needs to take its commitment to therapy and change and healing and repentance and transformation very seriously. So that's, that's what this is about. Each week, we're going to talk about some different issues the church has. We're going to name them. Sometimes it'll be painful. It'll be hilarious. It'll be truthful. It'll be about naming everything that's getting in the way of the fullness of the Spirit manifesting herself through the church for the sake of this world. Let's get rid of it. Let's clear it out. Let's let go of it. Let's transcend it. Let's move beyond it. And let's see there's a wider, beautiful, more inclusive way forward together. So come along for this journey for some therapy sessions. The church needs therapy there will be many, many specific issues we will talk about. This is just an intro. So if you're listening in, I pray that you will find resonance, that you will feel your heart saying yes to so much of the ways we're naming what's wrong. But I also hope and pray that your heart will say yes to the vision and the possibilities and the hope of the church for the future.